0: Hey there, and welcome to the first part of our series called Homecoming. Now, the reason this is called Homecoming is because for chapters now, what seems like years for us, we've been tracking Jesus through the book of Luke. And there's this one section earlier in the story where he says, I must not go to Jerusalem. And for the past few years, we've been tracking him through that journey. And it's in chapter 19 that he finally arrives. And this is why we're calling it Homecoming. And today we're going to be looking at a specific section of chapter 19. So let's start today with a question. Have you ever done something bad knowing that it was bad, but you did it anyways because it was attractive to you? Like it looked good to you. Of course you have. For me, I could think of this time in junior high where I told my mom that I would be going home right after school, but instead I got on a bus and with my friend, we traveled to some, I don't even know where we went. Where where did I go? I, I can't even remember where we went. Well, the whole point is that that we just went, and we came back, and and my mom found out, and I was in a lot of trouble. Anyways, I want to tell you a story about a man, a Christian, who lived in the 300s to 400s, so we're talking about a long, long time ago. His name was St. Augustine. Now, there's a lot of reasons why this man is famous, but the one I want to focus on today is that he wrote this 13-volume book called Augustine's Confessions. Now this collection of books, this is one of the first autobiographies ever recorded where it wasn't just about events. Like if you were to write an autobiography, you would probably say this happened, this happened, this happened, then that happened. But he did something different. He wrote something that he did, and then he goes in the depth as to how he felt. And he was reflecting on it, what was going through my mind. Now one of the stories in this collection is Augustine reflecting back to when he was about 16 years old. He and his friends are walking down this path. And then he notices that there's this tree on the other side of the fence. It's a pear tree. So they said, hey, let's, let's grab some fruit. So they hop over the fence and they grab the, the pear and they eat it. They take a couple bites out of it and they realize it's not that good. So they throw it into the pig's pen and he talks about what was going through his mind at that time. Now the way he describes this is so interesting because you could tell by reading his writings that as he's recalling these memories, he could almost taste the juices from from the pear just dripping down his cheeks and thinking, it was so delightful, but the flavor was so off. And then he asks himself, oh, why was it fun? I believe in his book, it says, what did I delight in thee, O pear? So he asks himself a few questions. He says, well, was it the pear that was delicious? Is that the reason why I enjoyed it so much? And it says, no, it wasn't the pear because he said that even before he grabbed the pear, he said the color didn't look right. And he said that after taking two bites, he realized he's had better pears in his life. So he tossed it to the pig so that they could finish the pear. And then he starts reflecting on, well, maybe it was my friends, the company I was with at the time. But he says, no, that can't be it either because I barely knew them. And not only that, um, I could have done it by myself. I would have still enjoyed it as much if I did it by myself. And then he has this light bulb moment. He says, oh, it was my sin that I was delighted in. And then the story goes on. He says that he was one of the smartest guys in his class. He was at the top of every institution he joined. And eventually he was recommended to become a a coach for politicians in Rome. So basically he was a well-respected guy. But then he said that he felt like his soul was still empty. So he started giving in to his, his desires. He started bossing people around. He started sleeping with women, whoever came his way. At some point he said that he even bragged about things that he didn't even do, but he just wanted to brag about it because that's what his inner voice was telling him to do. Then he said that none of these things really satisfied him. As a matter of fact, he said that he felt his humanity fading away. He felt less human the more he participated in these these wild acts. But not only that, he said the more he fed his appetites, he thought it would be satisfied, but no, he said it was the opposite. It, his appetites grew stronger and stronger and stronger. It's almost as if he was looking for something that would finally satisfy him, and the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing, but they just made that hole in his heart bigger, and bigger, and bigger. So his emptiness increased, and his humanity decreased. And then he realizes, this is kind of like that pear story, that it wasn't the object itself that really lured him into these things. That wasn't the delight that he experienced. It's not the actual pair that he enjoyed. It's not the women that he slept with that he enjoyed. But it was the sin, it was the very act of destroying his own humanity that he actually found delight in. At one point, he even says, it was actually a lot of fun chasing after my heart's desire, but when he finally got a grasp of it, he was left empty. He said that he realized that he hasn't found what he was looking for. It's kind of like that story I just told you about myself, that I got on a bus, And I went somewhere, and I can't even remember where I went. It was probably somewhere that wasn't even that great. Because it wasn't the destination that I was really obsessed about. It was that I was enjoying, I was delighting in breaking the rules. And maybe, I don't know, maybe I felt like I needed to be a rebel for a day or so. But what did it accomplish? Well, I think I broke my mother's trust. I felt that just that much of my humanity chipped away from my soul that day. But for Augustine, he kept on chasing after these desires, and eventually he came to the end of himself. So one day he said he was sitting in a garden, just thinking about how maybe he should just give up on life. And then he heard a child's voice. And he looked around and he couldn't find where the voice was coming from. But the child's voice was basically saying, just start reading the Bible, just start reading the Bible. And luckily for him, he had a Bible that his mother gave him. And so he picked it up and started reading it. And then he came to this conclusion, which is a very famous quote by Augustine. He said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord. And our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And that brings us to today's story, which is from Luke chapter 19 from verse one. Now in there you're gonna find a character named Zacchaeus. Now Zacchaeus is famous for being the epitome of somebody who chased after his dreams only to find out that he didn't find what he was looking for there. So let's take a look at that story. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Now, if you've been with us in the past, you'll know that a tax collector is somebody who's betrayed their own community in order to make a quick buck. He's actually sided with the enemy of the state in order to help them succeed in their propaganda, and in doing so, he's betraying everybody in his neighborhood, including his own family. And you can't become a tax collector by accident. You have to actually pursue that career. So for Zacchaeus, his dream ever since he was probably a teenager was, I wanna be rich. And I don't care how many people I have to betray, I just wanna make sure that I have a comfortable life, making sure I have all the needs of my life taken care of. But when he got there, he was left empty. Let's read on. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Now, for people of high stature, it is not normal for them to run because it was shameful to show your ankles to the people around you. So first he runs, and then he climbs a tree, which is also a big no-no because, you know, people could look up and see, you know, they they wore robes back then. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and told him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I want to stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Now the word gladly right here, I think is too tame of a translation. The original language here implies he was jumping up and down. He was really ecstatic and excited and he did not care what people thought. He just wanted to celebrate. That's the word right here. All right, let's go on. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he, that's Jesus, has gone to the guest of a sinner. So already the whole neighborhood knew how bad of a person Zacchaeus was. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my positions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Now, amongst translators and scholars, there's some question here whether if what Zacchaeus just said was a future tense or a past tense. If it's a future tense, he's basically saying, Jesus, I'll do anything to make things right. I want to start making amends with all the enemies i made in my life. If it was past tense, he's basically saying, Look, Jesus, I tried to make amends with the people around me. I was going to give everything away. I tried it, and not, not even that worked. Either way, the point here is he's come to the end of himself. You see, this is just like Augustine. He gave in to his desires. He just wanted to be rich. He just wanted everything to be about him. And he was searching for that thing that would fill his heart. He was searching for that thing that he was looking for. But when he got there, he realized that that thing he was looking for, it wasn't there. So Jesus goes to him and he says to him, "Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham." Now, what does he mean by salvation has come to this house? Now, when you think about the word salvation, what do you think of? I mean, salvation means that you're saved from something. So the question is, what are we saved from? If you were to talk to some random Christian on the street and say, hey, Jesus came to save you. What did he save you from? Chances are you'll get this kind of answer. Jesus saved me from eternal damnation. Or Jesus saved me from hell. But I challenge you to find a verse in the Bible that says that Jesus came to save you from hell. Instead, what you'll find over and over again is that Jesus came to save you from your sins. And there's a difference. You see, Zacchaeus' sense that he Delighted in chasing after, chipped away to his humanity until he was left as a person who who was left empty, he didn't have a community, and he didn't have a future. That's what his sins did to him. But when Jesus walks into Zacchaeus' house, he finds what he was looking for. He finds that he's no longer empty. He now is part of a community of Jesus' followers, and he has a future. He has a purpose. Then he concludes by saying, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Now, this is a very interesting point, because here the verse implies that Jesus came to seek him out, but in the story, Zacchaeus was the one that climbed the tree to look for Jesus. But if you read carefully, you'll discover that when Zacchaeus climbed the tree, he didn't even know what he was looking for. He didn't even know who Jesus was. He just wanted to see what the crowd was doing. It was Jesus who looked at the sea of faces and said, "'Today, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house.'" You see, this morning, some of you may feel lost. In the name of chasing after your dream, Maybe a better career, you stepped on a lot of people, you compromised relationships, and when you finally got to that higher place in your career, you realized what you were looking for wasn't there. Instead you feel like you lost a part of your humanity. Or maybe you've done something that was soul-crushing, something that chipped away your humanity just so that you could find approval because you thought that approval is worth the humanity that you're going to lose. But when you got there, you didn't find what you were looking for. Or maybe you had no choice. You had to compromise something. You had to go against your values just so you could survive. And while you did survive, you feel like you gave up a part of yourself that you could never find again. Or whatever your example is, you thought that trading your humanity for something, whatever that is, might be worth it. And now you realize it wasn't. In a sense, you've been climbing all these trees hoping to find what you're looking for, only to come out empty-handed. But what this last verse says is what you are looking for is looking for you that what you're looking for is coming for you. He's coming for you because He loves you. He wants to help heal some of the things that you destroyed in your own life. He wants to restore that humanity that's inside of you, so you become more and more like the person that God originally intended you to be. And so that is the good news for today, that what you've been looking for is looking for you. And so in a few minutes, we're gonna take communion live. And as we do this, I want you to remember that we are not inviting Jesus to our table but that we are being invited as guests to His table. That this life that we're living right now is not about us, it's about Jesus. Communion is a reminder to us that we are all in this together. That it's a reminder of the conclusion that St. Augustine came up with 1600 years ago. That we are made for Him and that we will remain restless until we rest in Him.